Thanks for listening to the Gateway Live podcast, a collection of recent sermons, teaching, and inspirational content brought to you by Gateway Church of Upstate New York. Visit our website at gatewaylive.org for more information. Now, here's today's message. I have a word this morning that, again, I pray God uh, delivers it through me the way He desires. But um, when I first come to the knowledge of God, He was God. I was a mess, right? Uh, He's he's still God, and I'm still a mess, but that's not here nor there. Uh, But I'm less of a mess than I was, okay? And... uh, um, you know, there's people that believe or want you to believe they have it all together. And I'll tell you what, they're trying to sell you something. Because there's none that's good. No, not one. And um, I, I stand here righteous today, but I stand here righteous because it was gifted to me, not because it's who I was. It's who I am now because of his gift. But so, you know, at various times, I, I just want to tell you what I feel today. Uh, so when, I, when I'm, I'm lifting him up, my life's a mess, and I'm just, and you know, how many know he's, he's worthy of you, of you lifting him up? But I'm here to tell you what he told me today. He said he is here to lift you up. And, and, and some of you won't, you know, you don't think you're worthy for him to lift you up. But I'm going to tell you what, I'm talking from experience. He's done nothing but lift me up all of my life. You know, I'm thinking, God, you know, I'm a miserable this, but I'm telling you what, He is continually lifting me and bringing me to a place where He exalts me. Well, that's not right. I'm not saying, like, how great I am. I'm telling you how great He is. And I'm telling you, He's brought me out of a, of a horrible pit of my life of depression and loneliness. He, he has delivered some here out of uh, a drug addiction and, and, and all kind of things that, that would destroy you. As, as Ned was exhorting there, the enemy does have power. And the power of the enemy, his desire is to kill, to steal, and to destroy. And you know what he has? I'm going to tell you something. He doesn't need to do it today. He has a long game plan. It's not something in your life and my life that we think, oh, God's going to do this, uh, or, or the enemy's going to do this instantly. He doesn't have to do it instantly. You know why he wants you to hurt? What do you think? Because God wants to lift you up. And, and, and God not just wants to, he has lifted us up. And I am convinced that we, because Lucifer in the beginning was a, one of the highly exalted angels, one of the three archangels, you can, you can look this up in the book, and he was literally the worship leader. And uh, when he fell by his own choice, God created mankind in his own image and we're taking the place of what lucifer was was created for we are being grafted into that place to be those worship leaders and in, 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 in the very thing that god desires to glorify and lift up above all creation say us yeah us he didn't die 
for wildlife. Right? It wasn't the spotted owl or any tree. He died for humanity. He died for mankind. He died for you and for me. Why? Because he wants you to be lifted up. Not in pride, but I'm telling you, you know what religion does? It, it pounds us down. It, it can be the, some of the uh, most condemning messages you've ever heard. And I want you to, this morning, to separate your religious ideas from what God's trying to speak into your life. Because, man, oh man, sometimes we get so confused thinking we know, we know what's true. And if your truth, the truth that you're living is depression and anxiety and fear and you're not good enough in condemnation, I'm going to tell you what, that truth is not from God and it's not even true. He is here today to undo some heavy burdens. He's here today to let the oppressed go free. He's here today to see you that, uh, that have been bound for years to be immediately released. Immediately released. I'm, I tell you, I know he's got a long plan in my life. He's got a game plan that, you know, is over a lifetime. But there was those immediate moments in my life where God made a complete change of direction for me. To do what? Because he wanted to lift me up. And, and he's not going to do it if you don't let him, but he, but he will. So here, here it is. Here it is. Listen to this. Um, in Matthew 28, listen, I am not going to give you a key, okay? You're going to have to get that from Lena. Just uh, don't listen. When he says that crazy stuff during an announcement, just ignore him. If he sticks to the facts, he's good, but don't come up for, to me for a key. And uh, I just, anyway, yada, yada, yada. Did I miss anything else? All right, listen to this. This is a word for uh, the church. And if you're not a part of the church yet, this is for you. But, but listen to this. It says, Matthew 28, um, 17 says, When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. When they saw, so if you read, this is the last um, chapter in the, in the account, in the gospel of Matthew, of the life of Christ, the death, burial, and resurrection. And it really doesn't go, go into a lot of detail uh, uh, into what happened after the resurrection. But this one point, the disciples, he's with the eleven. And, uh, and, and he, he tells them to meet him. They meet him. They get there. They're worshiping him, but some doubted. That just, I'm like, what? Yeah, I, and that's not even what I'm going to preach, but let me just say this for a minute. Uh, there, there's a difference between, and again, you know, we're in a situation and we're, we're we're wrestling and fighting the good fight of faith, you know, and that, man, you know, is God going to come uh, uh, in this situation? And, you know, we have our own desires. Sometimes that's not God's desires, correct? And so we're wrestling with that. 
and uh, uh, but but doubt. Doubt ought not, if, if you're here and you're doubting, it's because you have yet to experience His grace, experience His goodness. But man, there's some of you here that you ought not have any doubt about God's goodness, about His favor. Why? Because I have, if I'm, I'm, I've experienced it. I, it shocks me that of the 11 disciples, some doubted. And, and, uh, uh, this event specifically here, I don't know if he's talking about some of the other stories in the Gospels, but this idea that they see him and they doubted, what in the world did they doubt? The guy was dead, and now he's standing there before him alive. Um, would they doubt their own eyesight? Did they doubt what? And, and that, you know, just I want, you, I want you to know this. I absolutely believe that we live in a time when the gifts of the Spirit are unleashed upon the church. I believe that. That God, divine intervention in affairs and lives and healing as we pray for one another and we speak a word of deliverance. I know God operates and He does it continually. But if you're of the opinion and if you're of the belief that somehow if signs and wonders are, are, are seen by the masses, that that's going to bring a mass conversion, I doubt it. I seriously doubt it. Because if, if that was going to happen, I'm telling you, human beings are just, we're, we are fickle. I mean, Jesus walks this earth for three and a half years, and he uh, called dead people out of the grave. Lazarus, he healed blinded eyes. He, he caused the lame to walk, and, and it's like, and man did it tick people off. We're thinking, man, they're really going to come to faith. Yeah, okay. Sure. Now, I'm telling you, the enemy can get in there and, and, and people's minds are blinded. But, but, but to those that are called by Christ, those that are chosen by him, I, I don't need to see a sign to not doubt. Okay? I just, I just want you, I don't need to see something. In fact, he said an evil and adulterous, this is what Jesus said, because they wanted to, hey, we heard you're this. He said, show us a sign. He said, you're not going to see any sign. But there were signs all around them, but they weren't going to see them. So the idea of, of uh, even the disciples doubting, if you're here, here today and you're doubting, there's grace for you. But I'm going to just say this, get your act together. For crying out loud, how much more? What God has done. And, and, and again, if, if you're doubting because of your own personal life, I want to be a witness. I want to tell you what he's done. And I'm telling you what he's done for me in lifting me out of situations and providing for me. Here's what happened. Okay, we sold Ogden Street eight months ago, right? We own a building in Glens Falls. And uh, um, uh, got a contract, yada, yada. I'm, I'm going to blame the attorney general and all the lawyers and all that stuff. Eight months later, we're still not closed. Eight months. till finally the, the, the lady who would signed the contract said, I can't, you know, I'm done. And the funny thing is it closed. That we finally got all the approval that Friday. She said, I'm done. 
I wanted a pound of flesh. I, I got with, uh, we have a, an incredible, an incredible uh, uh, real estate guy, if, if, uh, just good. And uh, uh, he said, wait, we can sue her. She has to buy. It's a breach of contract. And talking to the lawyer, we could do this, we do that, and, and be, that's business. And, and if you are so crazy, you, I'm going to tell you something. You're going to reap what you sow. You just are. I, you know, there's been plenty of times, man, I've fallen off ladders, busted bones, and the lawyer said, come on. I was like, come on, we can do something. He said, nope, I would, he, I would rather be healed. Man, I got three stories. Let me finish the, the other one. I fell off a ladder, busted my busted a hand, worst bone in your whatever healing. I was I was uh, down out for a while, uh, and uh, the lawyer said, "Look, you, you know we got a case here. It was a it was a county garage. We could have soaked them for my stupidity and uh, for falling off a ladder." And the doctor said, "Wade, uh, the bone you broke, you're going to have arthritis." I said, "No, I'm not." He said, "Yes, you are. You're going to have arthritis." I said. No, I'm not, but you go ahead. I'm going to tell you something, and I'm, this, is an, this is a way for me because I know God has lifted me up. I don't need to go after something that's not mine to survive. You can, you can sue. I don't, not, I don't want to sue. If I, were, if I were destitute and not able to make a living and, and it was absolutely necessary, there's reasons for that, and that's great. But if you're out for something because for nothing, I don't know why. Because you think you've got to take care of yourself, you're missing out on how God wants to exalt you. I do not ever have any issues with the bone that he declared you're going to have arthritis. Why? Because God's... It, 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 if you're in a position where you got to, you know, get something and not realize that God's already given you something. So he says to them, and I didn't, well, you can yell at me later. Um, the trustees, I didn't, didn't talk to him about this. But uh, we, you know, they had a $1,000 uh, deposit. I don't know what in the world the deposit's for because... You know, they demanded it back. And uh, Brad says, well, we don't have to give them back. And Brad's doing his job. He's a great, great guy. You, you know, you expect him. He's for us, right? I said, no. I said, I, I said we're not going to fight anybody. I said, why don't you give it back, you know, and, uh, and we'll just, you know, we'll just relist it. Because, because I know that we are blessed. Okay? And I don't need somebody else's $1,000 to be blessed. I, I, I would rather say, no, 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 we have a, you have a right to it. I don't need it. Well, you, oh, you don't need money to live? Of course we do. Yeah, but I'm going to tell you what. God provides all our needs according to his riches. And if you're in there and you've got to fight for it and you're going to be all ticked off. You're, you're, you're not walking in, in that, that elevated place that God wants you to walk in. Okay. There. I don't even know why I said that, but I did say that. You shouldn't be doubting. Not doubting 
his goodness. Specific situations, I'm going to fight unbelief all the time. Different, different uh, uh, um, uh, times of my life, seasons of my life, when God brings something new, then there's a new battle. And there will always be a fight of faith in our life. But I'm going to tell you the underlying foundation, uh, 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 what we stand on is that he is good and that he cares about us. And, and that, that is absolute in my life. And if you're not there, let me tell you about his goodness. And let me tell you how he wants to lift you up. Let me teach you some things about the grace and goodness of God and tell you my personal experience of his favor. We'll say, that's you. No, that's humanity. Well, why aren't some people, why do some people suffer? I can't tell you the whole story. But I'm telling you the sufferings he brought into my life uh, is worked out for my good. And it will for yours also if you will turn toward him with it. So here, here's the rest of that. It says this. It says, all authority, Jesus came near and said to them, all authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. If Jesus has all authority, how much is left? None. Okay. So he's got all authority. We agree? says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name, a singular name that represents, and it says, in the name of the Father, Son, and of the Holy Spirit. That name of Jesus is the one name that absolutely covers it all. Teaching them to observe everything that I've commanded you, and remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. I believe that little end of the age thing is for us. Because I believe we're near the end of the age. Is he with you? Is he with you? Then don't be doubting that. Come on, man. If he's with you, you know what? He's going to lift you up. So, so, but here's here's the deal. Let me just a little bit say. Authority given to me in heaven and earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. I live with a commandment. In my life, I don't know if you take this personally, but I do, to make disciples. I have a responsibility as a believer to ensure that uh, uh, those around me are being discipled into uh, observing the things that Jesus commanded. Am I a religious freak? No, is that out of the ordinary? Should my should my uh, um, uh, you know religious life and, and the ministry be uh, uh, a business? You know, is it all about um, you know your your uh, your choice of, of uh, you know how are you going to make a living? No, it's, no. It, 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 the, and here's we got some issues that go on here. But making disciples is the business of the church. It is what God has commanded. It was the very, one of the very last things he said when, before he was taken up. He said, he said, one, he said, go and preach the gospel, make disciples, and then he said, baptize them. Okay, I am going to hound you until you're baptized. And you can't blame me. Jesus said that, 
You know, and I take it responsible. I, I take that seriously. That responsibility is something that he's asked us to do. Okay? The question is, do you feel the same responsibility of making disciples? And or do you have a religious traditional a mindset of what discipleship is or what religion ought to be or what the church, how it ought to function. But I guarantee you there are those today that uh, in this room that, that they feel that that commandment is theirs, that I have a responsibility to make disciples. You know, I've got to tell you how it goes. As disciples, moms and dad, it's your children first. Grandpas and grandpas, Grandmas, it's your grandchildren next. <laughs> Which mine are coming next month. Woo! Uh, but the I no the idea of you you know if you're not taking care of your family, uh, uh, you're worse than an infidel. Is what the scripture says. And this idea, you know, some people have you know, you sacrifice your your family for the ministry. That's baloney. That's just evil. Your ministry ought to be just your life and who you are and what you do. It, it, anyways, the, so the idea of, of your idea of discipleship, there's some in here that, that discipleship is just a part of their life. And they're always trying to find better ways. I hear it in, the, in, in our staff meeting, how we can uh, teach and, and, and uh, impart some of the things that God has given to us. And so when you talk about discipleship, the root word is discipline, and all of a sudden, we're all freaked out. Right? It's like, I uh, don't want anything to do with that. I don't even want to come near that. But there is some discipline that's involved with becoming a disciple. In other words, you're going to take on his attributes and, and the truths of, uh, that he wants to impart, that you're going to do everything you can to walk in them. That's what I've chosen. But what we've done in religion is we've made becoming a disciple of Jesus Christ so incredibly difficult. Instead of, instead of how simple it should be. I mean, being a disciple is absolutely simple. And, and, and what happens is religion, and God, not all religion is evil, not all tradition is evil, but there's some things that's been heaped on us. And, and, and especially in the North American church, in our culture, that, man, if we don't, what we've got to do is, is wade through it all and get to what's true. But this idea that, that man, you're going to have discipleship is a, you know, a 12-week course is ridiculous. There's nothing wrong with 12-week courses. There's nothing wrong with different classes. But when you name the name of Jesus, he elevates you into a place, into his family. There's not an, uh, 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 you know, an abundant amount of teaching that does that and brings that to you. But it's that simple act of faith that, Jesus, I believe you died for me. And, Lord, I want to follow you with my life. You know what happens then by faith? You become a disciple. 
Yes or no? Man, I'm only, there's a simplicity in just in the power of the cross, in the death, burial, and resurrection that just absolutely will change the direction of your life. Now, there is maturity that takes place, but being a disciple, you're birthed into this. That's why not, and, and God love whoever does whatever they do, I don't care, but we don't have a membership role here. You remember Gateway? I hope so. <laughs> Been here a while. But the question is, are you a member of the body of Christ? That's the question. Then Gateway, you know, this is temporary. The body of Christ is eternal, right? And I love you that, that make this place faithfully. It's yours, and it's ours, and it's obvious. That comes from relationship, not from giving you a card or you going through some class. That's religious ideas that eventually will rob you because what happens, the more that we put on you to be a disciple, the less worthy you're going to feel. Right? Come on, anybody worthy? No. And, and, and man, I'm telling you what, the rules, when we heap it on, uh, eventually they're go we're going to find something that will condemn you, and I think that's the point. To tear you down when... And that's what religion can do, can tear you down when Jesus wants to lift you up. So those of you that are making disciples, quit making it so complicated. And, and discipleship, I don't care. You can think I'm wrong here, but I'm not. Discipleship is relational. Do you know why Jesus at the end of it all in Matthew 20, you know why there were 11 disciples? Because he was maxed out. About 11. Well, that's Jesus. He can, you know. No, he was, he was imparting something into somebody's life. Do you know he never wrote a book? Do you know Jesus never wrote a book? Wouldn't it be great to read a book that he wrote? You know why he never wrote a book? Because books are not relational. Correct me if I'm wrong, eventually. Not right now. It's written. Jesus wants your and, and him, uh, your relationship to be something more than just what's uh, read in a book. He discipled those 11. He personally poured himself into them. Yeah, he had a lot of people he ministered to. But the act of that discipleship was, was, was uh, very personal. And, and the idea of you wanting, you know, uh, influence, us wanting influence that our leaders in the church, influence uh, uh, in our lives, is absolutely 100% relational. You're not going to, here, um, just me, okay, I'm teaching a Bible study Tuesday night. Everybody that's in there, it's relational to me, right? I just, you know, and, and what happens is if you invite somebody, it's because of your relationship. You know, it's, it's totally that. It's the idea that what is true is what is to be lifted up, and what God wants to do is use truth to lift you up. 
Hey, truth is truth. It doesn't need to be lifted up. It is what it is. But when you, uh, truth is imparted to you, we're elevated. And the idea of, of discipleship is delivering God's word into your life that has to be based on influence that has to do with relationship. That has to do with you knowing that, you know what, you're valuable to me. I care about you. It's not, I just want to declare this message because it's true. Well, why? Why do you want to tell anybody anything? Well, because it's truth. Well, nobody wants to hear it. But they do want to know that you care about them. And then once they see that in your life, then they want to know how you got there. And pretty soon truth just flows out of you and discipleship happens because of relationship, not because somebody shows up on a Tuesday night Bible study. And I'm telling you what, I want you here Tuesday night. But, but how many times have people in our lives, you impart things, impart things, and eventually, whoa, they are out there in left field, way out there. And you would have thought, man, we've discipled them. No. No, you can get information out there. But discipleship is an entirely different thing. And it truly is an attitude from those that are leading of, of, of what, what we're doing and what's valuable. And I'm telling you what's valuable is what Jesus died for. That was you. That's the value. It's, it, it, so, anyway, here goes. Uh, wow, did I go over time. Listen to this. I'm almost done. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3, and the, uh, uh, chapter 11, verse 3, and this is the Amplified, I don't know. Okay, he said, but I'm afraid that even as the serpent beguiled Eve by his cunning, uh, uh, your minds may be corrupted and led away from the simplicity of your sincere and pure devotion to Christ. Religion says it's all kinds of different things. It's simple. Jesus, I want to follow you. Okay. I'm not what I was 30 years ago, thank God. But he's, you know, but I'm a disciple. I, that discipleship is a lifelong pursuit, but it, it's an instant access when you call out on his name. It's immediate. You know, I'm not as holy as so-and-so. So-and-so isn't holy. He's just not. You may think so, but he isn't. Neither is she. But man, oh man, you put Jesus into our lives, and all of a sudden we are elevated. And he'll do the same thing for you. So here's so the simplicity that's here. So Acts 15, if you read the book of Acts, they got all ticked off because Peter goes, preaches to the Gentiles. God pours out his spirit. How dare he? And they get baptized. And it's like, whoa, all of a sudden, you would think the early church had it all together. You know what? They're as human as we were, are. They were as human as we are. Okay, they were just fighting. You know, they, they thought because um, of uh, Judaism that everybody had to be circumcised to be in the kingdom and they're putting all these rules and regulations. It's like, what? See, 
good-hearted people can be led astray. Right? So we're not talking even, these are, this is the early church. Some of these guys were in the upper room. They're like, no, you can't do that. You can't, they can't be that free. They got to be circumcised. They got to keep the law. They're, they're heaping all these things on. And finally, they got all together and said, after some serious discussion. I, I can imagine. Might have looked like one of our staff meetings. After some serious, well, we got to, you know, okay. No, man, we need serious discussion once in a while. But the idea, when they got all done, it's like, look, we can't do those things. Why are we going to put it on the Gentile church? And when they got all done, you know what they said it take to be a disciple? Listen to this. In Acts chapter 15, uh, 28, it says, For it was the Holy Spirit's decision. Boy, it's good when you have the mind of Christ. And ours to put no greater burden on you than these necessary things. This is how and what God requires of you to be a disciple. Okay? Get your pen out. This is a long list. It says that you abstain from food offered to idols and from blood. Okay, I don't know if any of you eat blood pudding, but cut it out. From eating anything that has been strangled and from sexual immorality. Whoa. And you will do well if you keep yourself from these things. Farewell. What it says, see ya. That was it. Wait a minute. Hold on. Wait. Whoa. Uh, let me write the. Anybody eating food offered to idol? Maybe? Where's the kids? They're back there. Okay, better not say this. If you're eating Santa Claus's cookies, maybe, but other than that. <laughs> I'm just thinking. I'm throwing that out there. Uh, uh, you know, there are, there, it's the simplicity that's in Christ. It's simple. Why? Because God doesn't have, want to have a laundry list of do's and don'ts. He wants you to have a relationship with him that will lead and guide you into, into truth. That's what he desires. And man, when he does, he, it, it'll lift you up. I, I, I'm long. You don't have to come till later next week because i got to finish this. So discipling. We, we need to understand what that's about. We need to talk about figure out how, how we become better disciples. But we do more discipling, putting up the electrical out there or, or going to get parts from the parts store than we do in a classroom. Get that through your head and, and quit thinking it's got to happen in, in this specific time. Open your life up. All right. Secondly, those of you that need discipling, how many need discipling? Come on. All right, I'm here for you. Uh, so needing discipling, it says here, um, and, and I'll tell you what works against it. Here, here's what works against it. Our culture and traditions, religious tradition, but our culture works against you being discipled. And, and I, you know, as much as I love capitalism, I'm going to tell you what, Jesus is not a capitalist. He, he, that, that is a system that we put in place. I'm for it. Don't, don't think I'm, I'm not, but the idea of, of, of thinking the kingdom of God is capitalism, it's not. Because in capitalism, you know what happens? 
We got people that will do everything for us if we have the money to pay, right? They'll fix our computers. They'll put in our windows. They'll mow our lawns. They'll come and clean our carpets. They'll come and fix anything that needs fixing. You know, there, there's, we're in a, 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 a service-oriented society where you do your part and let everybody else do their part, and we just pay for it and it's done. Well, I'm going to tell you that is not the kingdom of God. In your service-oriented culture, ours, you know, everybody does their thing, and then you stay in your lane. Some of you need to learn how to stay in your lane. But when it comes to the kingdom, when you, when you come in here and uh, the service-oriented culture says, we're going to listen to the preacher preach, we're going to do our hour and a half religious service, and then we're going to go out and live our lives. And then we're going to do that and repeat. And, you know, if you're really good, you'll throw some money in the offering, make yourself feel better. But that has nothing to do with discipleship. Because this isn't a place where you just come in and there is a service that's rendered and you leave. We are a body of believers that ought to be growing together. And, and in a traditional service-oriented mindset, there never is any discipleship. It's you're coming to pay for a good message. Or you're turning on the TV and maybe getting your spiritual oomph on. Feeling good about it, rather than letting God, causing it to be relational. And from that growing in the grace, and here, here's what happens, and i got to let you stand, or I will not stop. Proverbs 27 and 7 says it like this. A person who is full tramples on a honeycomb. But to a hungry person, any bitter thing is sweet. Man, you need to think about that for a while. You ever been so full, I don't care how good the dessert was, you just couldn't do it. Right? It's like, ah, oh, I can't do that. But in a different setting, man, you would have devoured it and then some. See, we're living in a day around us where we are full. We're filled with entertainment. We're filled with, with uh, uh, just the ease of, of abundance. We, we really, really, in our, in, uh, if you take a, uh, the temperature of your life and, and figure out what's going on, you know what? You can complain about our government all you want, but you still don't lack for much. Not very many of you, right? Yeah, no, I, I, I complain too once in a while. But the fact of the matter is we're living in a time of plenty like has never been. And so when you're living where you have all this stuff, you're full or you find a way to satisfy some of those needs other ways. But man, it'll never, ever satisfy your soul. And it just covers up the real need that's in your life, the really that gets to you. But, but when somebody finds out that Jesus really is the answer, you're just hungry for that. You're hungry for more of it. 
You'll find ways, not just to show up on a Sunday, but you'll find ways, and God love you. I'm not criticizing anybody, but the hungry soul, they are so easy to disciple. I mean, you don't even have to do anything. It's just like, boom, they're wanting one. And, and there's others that we're thinking, man, we got a disciple, and we ain't not going to have any effect because they're full already. They're not even hungry, and I'm not going to force feed you. And work, but I got to tell you what: if you're hungry for God, I, that's all I am. In my day, I'm still in the process of being discipled. We'll go there together, and and we'll we'll be elevated together. We'll be God's going to lift you out of your depression and your heartache and your heart of your condemnation. He's going to lift you out of it. He's going to continue to lift you up because that's His purpose. I'm going to tell you what. You got to be hungry. And because there's some bitter things in discipleship. But I'll tell you what, when you're hungry, it's like, I can eat that. Because that's sweet. Because at the end of the day, it's good. And I got so much more to say. Next week, I'm going to preach part two. But today, you don't need to hear part two to get one. That immediate connection with a living God where he wants to. How many need to be lifted up? You need to be lifted up. Come on. As you look to him this morning, Father, we thank you. You are my glory and the lifter of my head. My God, you have constantly brought me uh, into a place of life, of abundance, of grace, of true, true joy, not like this world gives, not temporary, not based on the season, but that just consistent goodness. God, I bless you. God, I love you, Lord. You've promised those of us that hunger and thirst for righteousness will be filled. And today I am grateful. I stand here just full of your goodness but hungry, Lord Jesus, for where you're leading us. God, help us to make disciples in 2023 and let those that come, let them be hungry and thirsty for what you're doing. I love you, Lord Jesus. Come on, if God spoke to you this morning, just lift your hands to him for a minute. Give him a moment time. Let, it, let that communication be personal with him right now. Because he wants to talk to you more than just through the words of the preacher. He wants to speak to your spirit right now. If you'll let him, if you'll let him. Man, there are some things that can transpire this morning. We worship you as we sing. If there's prayers of healing or deliverance or just you want to be encouraged, come on down. We're going to pray. We want to pray with you. I speak your grace this morning in Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to this week's message. Be sure and subscribe to the podcast to be notified when new messages are released. And remember to visit gatewaylive.org for more information.